We're Cynthia Vargavisser and Michelle Walters, co-hosts of Mind Power Meets Mystic. Our weekly show is here to expand your mind to what's possible, to uplift your spirits, to move forward with confidence and joy, and to create a space for your collaboration with the invisible. Welcome to Mind Power Meets Mystic! Hello and welcome with Mind Power Michelle Walters and Mystic Me, Cynthia Varkavister. Today we have the absolute good fortune of uh, chatting with Carrie Lee Kenoki, season nine of Alone, an amazing episode. She is here to tell us about all the things that she can in, in our podcast, um, about what it was like to connect with nature, her ingenuity her creativity, about stepping into elderhood and next chapters. I am really excited and so thrilled to have you on our show. Thank you, Miss Carrie Lee. Thank you, Cynthia and Michelle. It's so nice to meet you and be here today. We were so excited. I was so excited because I recently watched season nine of Alone and followed you and all the other contestants through their journeys wondering who's going to, who's going to last a long time, who's got the skills. And throughout the, throughout the season, I was so rooting for you. Um, I think because you're a woman who's roughly my age and I love nature. And I was just so inspired by your, by your creativity and your thoughtfulness about what you were doing and nature and your kind of attitude of I shall overcome. And it was just absolutely beautiful to watch how you put your, how you put your mind power and how you connected in spirit to survive in the wilderness, like 77 days in the winter in, in Canada. Very impressive, (laughs) Carrie Lee. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So what we would like to know is when you came, when you uh, found out you were going on the show. Everyone talks about strategy. Now, um, you did not talk about strategy. You talked about connecting with nature, talked about connecting with earth. And then um, near the end, and I don't know if they filmed it near the end on purpose or if that was, is the bigger, the bigger, bigger picture of, of why you were there. And um, I actually loved it. You know, a lot of us and when I think of like a rite of passage, we stop kind of at 15, 16, 17, Americans 21, because, you know, drinking age, and then we don't celebrate as much anymore. So um, without gushing too much more about you, <laughs> I would love to hear about how that all transpired for you. Yeah, so I was out there for actually three different reasons, two personal reasons. One, obviously, was to do the show and test my skills that I've been preparing myself for for 50 years. So my first dream was to, uh, as an eight-year-old, I was super inspired by that book, My Side of the Mountain. And since then, I wanted to go out with nothing but my knife and survive and build a shelter and do all this cool stuff. And uh So that was my inspiration as a kid. And it took me 50 years to actually go out and do that. I I 
tried to do it at 40 years old. And I was like, I just got to block off the summer, take it off work and do this thing. And life just keeps taking over and over. And I've just never made it out there now. Um, so when I was approached and asked to be on the show, I, of course, I said I had to say yes. <laughs> and so that was my childhood dream. And after a certain point, um, first blizzard, so spoiler alerts, um, after that first three-day blizzard, I had told production, I just want that experience to be in that shelter and be warm and comfortable. And I don't care if there's a blizzard outside because I'm warm and comfortable inside and I'm just going to chill out. If I have a plate of food to boot, bonus. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what happened. I got a squirrel the morning before the storm. I had predicted that storm three, or excuse me, I had predicted that storm a month ahead of time. And I even told the director, said, you just wait three days before the next full moon, there's going to be a huge storm. And it happened right to that date. And I'll circle back around to that. Um, the second level was this adult self of wanting to connect. I wanted to see how spiritually deep I could connect with the land and put all of the things I've learned over time into practice because I'm writing a book called The Art of Sacred Living. And it's about how we live on the land in connection with gratitude, reciprocity, building these symbiotic, symbiotic relationships. And I really wanted to put that to the test because this is something I already teach and share, but I have this opportunity of no distractions whatsoever. So let's see how far we can go. Does this really work? <laughs> let's put, it was an ex, a spiritual experiment in a sense. Okay. I already had the vision, so it wasn't a vision class, but it's like, okay, let's, let's just see what happens. And I hid that from the camera because I did not want to come out on day 20, 30 or whatever and be portrayed as this woo-woo chick that's just out in the woods. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> but after a while, like pretty much day 60, I was like, you know, I'm actually doing pretty good. I need to let people know what I'm doing out here that's um, keeping me going because people need to know. So then I started sharing more and after my, after I came out in my exit interview, they, the directors ask you a bunch of questions and this is where all the voiceovers come in. And that's where I shared my adult intention to connect to the land as deeply as possible with the ancestors of the land. And, and they took that and boom, put it in the very first episode. So the viewers got to see that journey, whereas I didn't even share it till I was almost done. <laughs> but it was very profound. I let the land guide me on the my whole journey out there. I think that's fantastic. You want to go ahead and give us some examples? Sure. Um, on the show, they showed me moving into my shelter on day 14. Mm -hmm. That was not true. I actually didn't even start my shelter till day 14. I moved in on day 21. <laughs> and it's just, you know, the editing, they got to get the storyline, but they, they, do, they do what they need to do. But I was a little perplexed because I was in a wildfire burn, which is very, you're very exposed. And I would normally not build a shelter in an exposed area, but then the trees were super thick and wet and uh, cold. And 
I didn't like being in the trees because I could not see out, very claustrophobic, dark, but I couldn't see predators if they were in my neighborhood. And so I was a little perplexed and I'm sitting in my makeshift tarp ramshackle of a shelter for two weeks. <laughs> it's like, I gotta start doing something and I'm, I'm not sure, I love building shelters. And I just was not sure what to do and where to go. So I just sat there and I looked out at the land right before I went to bed. I just kind of looked out at the land and read the landscape. And it was like the ancestors conked me on the head and said, oh my gosh, this whole hillside is clay. Because I hadn't seen any rocks. It's all clay. And they told me there was kind of a ridge line there and they told me lift up my skin in other words peel off the topsoil lift up my skin dig down push the dirt the clay aside build your walls put your roof on and then put my skin back on top of you and i will keep you warm Brilliant. that's what the ancestor said to me like oh so that whole night i went to bed and i was in my sleeping bag my mind's going you know calculating and and so I started the next day, I had to cut the topsoil into bricks of dirt. Um, it was a, 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 a ball of roots. And I made 40, what I called bricks, 40 bricks of topsoil and set them aside. And I started digging in that clay all week long. And I didn't stop until I got to a point where I could at least move in. I wasn't complete, but at least I could move in and get out of my ramshackle shelter there. And... I, that was really strong for me. And I felt that the ancestors were there to take care of me and were holding me. They said, we'll, we'll keep you warm. And so that's what I did. I said, I have to just trust and follow that that's what I'm hearing. And that's what I'm here to do, right? So it's like, okay, right. just trust and we're going to do this and it's going to work out. So I think it's really beautiful. And I love how much you trusted uh, the ancestors and he trusted, you know, every word of, of how they instructed you so that you could take really good care of yourself. Um, I don't camp at best. I car camp. Michelle does much better than I do, but I um, wasn't really exposed to camping. And so it's, it, I won't say it creeps me out, but I'm still a little bit intimidated. So to hear that you trust is really, really lovely because my trust comes from a different path, right? But I just love, and I, I still self-talk a lot, um, which is why Michelle's like amazing. Um, I, now you said that there was another dream that helped you and changed your perspective. Um, are you ready to share that? I, when I, um, like I said, I could predict just watching the landscape and how the weather patterns, I could also predict the weather, but I was also felt very guided as to when to go fishing. And the animals would tell me, you know, don't go hunting now or now. There's one squirrel that was really obnoxious. And if he wasn't screaming all the time, then I knew that if he was tucked away, there was a storm coming and none of the other animals would be out. It was like, okay, we're not gonna bother going hunting right now we're gonna do something else but 
Yeah, I had a very, very profound dream. And it was on day 50, the night of day 52. I had been doing this day every morning we have to say into the camera today's day number 37 and i started making up things about numbers like 37 is the prime number it's my favorite number 38 blah 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 <laughs> and i just randomly made stuff up just to entertain myself but day 52 was a special day because it is the completion of four years cycles, I mean, excuse me, four cycles of a 13 year pattern. So if you're a woman, you know the number of 13, 13 moons in a year, 13 is a special number. And after 13 years, we've completed our childhood. The next 13 years, 26 is young uh, adulthood. And there's, so there's that different four cycles. So day 52 is when in many cultures, they celebrate your um, grandmother ceremony, which I had done when I was 52, but I'd cried the whole time because I'm like, I'm too young, I'm, too, I'm not a grandmother, but I just wasn't ready. And now I'm out here at 57 at the time on the show, but day 52 in the evening, I was talking about the rites of passage. And out of that whole conversation, I had talked about my miscarriage now on the show, they they showed that one little part about me talking about the miscarriage. I said, I suppose that makes me a mom. I was being sarcastic, but that related to so many women. As so many women reach out to me about that and tell their stories and gave me condolences. And like, I, I'm really okay. I've done my work around that. And, um, you know, my children are in the spirit world. They let me know that. They come see me. We, we're all good. <laughs> right. But this whole rites of passage thing uh, was going on. And I guess I was contemplating that stepping into elderhood at that time. But that evening, way in the middle of the night, I had this very profound dream. And it came at a time where I was getting down on myself because I was taking all these squirrel shots with my bow and I would miss them. And before that, I had this thing in my head, like every squirrel, every squirrel I shoot is another day I get to be here. And that every grouse I get is two days I get to be here. I had everything labeled, you know, if I get this, I get to be here that much longer. And I was starting to miss squirrel shots. And squirrels are hard to hit, but I was getting down on myself. It's not, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough huntress to be here. You know, getting down on myself. But my story became every squirrel I miss is another day I don't get to be here. So now my cup is half empty. Right. And that's starting to wear down on, on me and bringing my positivity down. And also my energy. When you're you're not positive, your energy goes down. And I need every ounce of energy I could get. And so that night, I had this very profound dream and it came in three chapters. It's a very long dream. So I'll kind of just hit on the highlights. Um, it starred Adam Beach, who is a Native American actor, very handsome. He was the star of my movie, <laughs> my dream. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Yeah, um, I'm 
I'm excited <laughs> to take a look at his picture. Right. Um, but he was 13 years old and he, uh, they were in a mission school. Him and his friends were coming out of school and some, you know, white cowboy dudes had surrounded them and wrapped their wrists, a rope around their wrists, and then drugged them through a lake. And they were trying to drown them on accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally drowned these boys. And as he was being drugged under the water, a spirit came up. He's holding his breath because he knows if he breathes, he's going to die. And the spirit came way from under the water and she came up to him and she said, relax, it's okay. There's oxygen in the water and you can breathe the water. You have gills behind your ears and you have to trust. Trust and relax and you can breathe the water. So she coached him and so instead of gasping for air, because that's going to kill you, right? he slowly let the water come in because we're made of water. And by doing it slowly, the oxygen is able to assimilate and, and he lived. So this kind of went on. He got drugged three times and they're like, oh, he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it was gave this message of, it's kind of like this death rebirth thing. You have to die to, to die in a good way is to live in a good way. Mm -hmm. You needed to die in a good way so that your life can be good. It was kind of a reversal way of how we think about death. Um, that, that was the first message of this death and rebirth of dying so that we could live. So then the, the dream moves on and his he gets married, he has a son, he teaches his son, he passes the message on to his son. Life goes on. And towards the end of the dream, the, him and his wife are at a fair, like a county fairgrounds. And there's they decide to go for a walk and they go up to a chief and he's very tall, stoic, proud. And he was wearing this bright, bright turquoise ribbon shirt with golden threads woven into it. Very beautiful, very, like to say loud. It was just very bright. <laughs> <laughs> and you could tell by looking at him that he was proud of who he was and proud of what he'd done so far and practicing the art of humility. But it was, he wasn't arrogant. It was his shirt. His shirt just said it all. And he was just there. And again, you know, he's getting the evil eye from these cowboy dudes in the background, you know. And Adam and him are talking and, and Adam just kind of nudges his head over, like, you know, we're being watched, you know. And the chief just like, yeah, let's go get some fry bread. And they walked off. Like, didn't give the perceived enemy didn't give them even any bit of recognition. Right. No, didn't feed them any energy whatsoever. So there was no, uh, nothing that just killed the energy right there. Just walked right. up. Let's go get some fry bread. And then I woke up and I'm like, wow, that's a crazy dream. <laughs> that's so profound. And I actually turned on the camera and I recorded it because I can't, I don't have a journal, right? I recorded it for myself. I thought, well, I'll just record it so I remember and I'll delete it later, which we're not allowed to do. And then in the morning, I recorded it again. I processed the dream. 
But then what I did in the morning is I, I'm a shamanic practitioner, energy medicine practitioner. And I don't, I tend not to use the word shaman or shamanism because I, in respect with the Native American culture sure. that I'm very much involved with, and I just have most respect for that. So I, I say shamanic tools. So I used my shamanic tools and I, I got my normal clothes on <laughs> and then stepped out side and I before I turned on the camera I just closed my eyes and I energetically took that turquoise shirt and I put it on and I just said to myself I am proud of who I am I am proud of who what I've done so far I'm practicing the art of humility and well there was a fourth part <laughs> how do I am proud of what I've done so far I'm humble about it and practicing the art of humility and that shifted my whole perspective. So now I go out and I shoot a squirrel and I miss. And I'm like, oh, you, I'll get you next time. And, and it was funny. And I had black teeth and I could laugh at myself now. And that just made all the difference in the world because now I can laugh at myself, which is going to boost my energy. I didn't care if I had black teeth. Up to that point, I was devastated. Like, oh my God, I'm on national TV and my teeth are turning gray and black. This is horrible. <laughs> and now I just like, you laugh at my black teeth and you can pay for my dentist bill. <laughs> <laughs> and so everything turned around. Um, at that point of time, Adam had just tapped. And so there was just the three of us left that, of course, I don't know that. But that was really a crucial time to keep me going. And just on that note, on this dream, that water spirit that came up from the deep from the water to give him that message about the death and rebirth part, I recognized her. I knew who she was when she came up. And I told my, I was like, oh my gosh, stay in the dream. I want to hear her message. You know, so I, don't wake up, don't wake, stay in the dream. And after I came home, I was talking to a friend and telling her my experiences. And she's like, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, her name's Yellow. Uh, Yellow was really worried about you. She said, she said you were having trouble getting dressed. And I was oh just God. laughing. It's like, yep. Yeah, she said she was going to go help you. <laughs> she said, oh, she did. She came into my dream and she helped me put that turquoise. She brought me that turquoise ribbon dress to put on. Her Sherry, that is an absolutely beautiful story and thank you so much for sharing it with us we wanted to remind all of our listeners that they are listening to mind power meets mystic with cynthia varkovis or mystic and me michelle walters the mind power today we are talking to carrie lee kanoki who's um one of the finalists on season nine of alone um what a profound dream. Cynthia and I are both very into dreams. We think dreams are really, really important and do so much to convey kind of what's going on in the subconscious or the greater mind or the spiritual word or whatever, whatever people want to want to call it. Um, one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is, okay, alone was great. What does the next chapter look like for you? We we think you're such an inspiration being a woman of our generation and coming home, it's got to have been a 
massive transition to go from living in your little hut in the snow to being back at at home in a in a in a house or even a yurt um and so we wanted to know kind of how are you how are you taking both your alone experience as well as all that life experience that came prior to alone and and helped you to actually get there into what you are doing today yes thank you for asking um I have been living off grid in my year for 25 years out in the woods and doing my thing, hunting for my own food, gathering, making medicine, all of that. What I have done right before they called and asked me to come on the show, I had just purchased some land and I've always wanted to do a wilderness school. I've been teaching for many years, but didn't have my own land to do that, the school on. And two weeks after I purchased the land, they asked me the show. So everything was kind of on pause. And I was like, oh, what do I do? Is this going to work out? And so now I'm on the new land. And the school is called Sacred Cedars Wilderness School. The I'm really working with the land and, again, letting the land tell me how to, just taking my time by listening to the land to know how, where do I put the outhouse? Where do I, you know, put this and and designing the school around the landscape. And the cedars, there's a huge grove of a huge 150, 200-year cedar trees. And I actually sat with the trees when I was buying the land because it's right when COVID ended and the market still is really crazy and there's cash buyers and I just can't afford to compete. And I sat with the trees and asked them, like, if you want me to tend to this land, I need help from the financial gods above to make this happen. And it was miracle, miracle, miracle after another, after another, that I was able to get this land. No one, no one bid on this land. And it's a beautiful piece of property. It's like, you have to actually come here to realize <laughs> what the, what's here. And the MLS listing was totally wrong. <laughs> so <it's> like, Perfect. <laughs> so obviously I'm meant to be there to tend to the land. And so I'm named the school after the cedar trees, the sacred cedars wilderness school. I moved my yurt that I've been living in for 25 years onto the new land. And it is now the indoor classroom. So I'm not moving into my yurt. It's set up, it's a 30 foot yurt. It's a huge crafting area. So I'm super stoked about that. I, <laughs> I need more crafting area. Um, at this point, I've built a campground and there's an outdoor kitchen set up. I'm in the process of raising funds to complete a actual structure for the kitchen and a storage shed for all the gear. And right now I'm camping in my camp in a camper. So I've given up my home for the school. And so part of the money I'm raising is to put in a well and bring in uh, just a small solar system. That's all I've ever had is a small solar system. And hopefully to have enough to build something for me to live in. You know, I can build a shelter and be fine with that for a while, but I am 59 now and I would like to have my little forest fairy enchanted house. Just a little one. <laughs> I totally so, get it. The, as far as the school, we it's up and running. I have classes going on and 
courses and starting Friday, this Friday, uh, the show might already air before uh, before we start, but we're doing a week-long excursion called is the Summer Sacred Living Wilderness Immersion. So I'll be taking, Ooh. I'll be offering this many times. There's another one coming up in the fall and we'll be offering it at least once every season because every season has something different to offer. And that's where we get the experience of working with the primitive wilderness skills, how to make a friction fire, shelter building, all of those basic stuff you see in the show, but adding the layer of connecting to the land, the art of sacred living, um, making your offerings, whether it's a song or just some of your hair or, or herbs or whatever, but coming into that practice of listening and being attuned to nature, trusting your your senses and allowing for that intuition to flow through you and be guided, just like I was on the show. So I'm I'm trying to share that with people on these week long excursions. We'll make That's sure to put that in. Yeah, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes because that's such important work and it's so beautiful. So um, grateful. I do have one last question for you. So you have many, many talents. You are, you know, you work with herbs and you um, do Eden energy medicine and you're a Reiki practitioner. Um, I would love to know how is all that blend it all into your life. My philosophy is you're hundred percent of who you are, hundred percent of where you go, right? hundred percent of the time. So all these other beautiful um, skills that you have, how do you use them in your modality or is it much more subtle? I'm a person, I'm kind of a bridge walker and right? not a person that likes, our culture likes to put things in categories like, right. Reiki practitioner, we're in these all these little boxes. To me, it's all one, and I combine it all as one, and it, it becomes a walking meditation, like using the awareness skills and the mindful awareness. You you use that in whatever you do. And and an elder once said, uh, back in Standing Rock, one of the elders, Native elders, said, "Your work is your prayer." And that hit me as like, oh, so we don't have to be in prayer and ceremony all the time, sitting on our butts. Our actions, everything we do is our prayer. That's our walk. And that's, I love that. Yeah. And I, that really resonated with me. It's like, be mindful of what you do every day and everything that you do. Love it. Love it. And how are you liking that, the elder, the elderhood? And <laughs> there's, you know, there's accepted as I was walking out, that was my rites of passage. I had my walking, my fishing pole became my walking stick or my staff. Right. That was my ceremony, walking back to that helicopter into elderhood. And I'm still active. Elderhood doesn't mean you just sit on a rocking chair all day. No, no. And that's <laughs> the thing that I, I that's the thing that I really love about you is that you remind everyone. I mean, there are other, there are others out there, but you're such great, a great example that elderhood does, has nothing to do with physical energy. It has to do with the wisdom, right? That you get to be exactly. called upon and, um, and that you have much to impart as well as, as to continue learning. So 
that's that's that was my takeaway. Yeah. So there's olders and there's elders. So we can sit and get old, and being an elder is where you step into a place of being of service to others by sharing your wisdom and what you've learned over the many years. So that's the difference. Yeah. Carrie Lee, we are just so honored and thrilled to have had you on our show today. Um, we've talked to quite a few people on our show, and I think you just embody so much of the perspective that we want to share with the world. So I really, really appreciate your coming on to our show and and um, sharing your wisdom, your experience, your perspective with our listeners today. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Michelle and Cynthia. So nice to meet you. And uh, thank you for listening to what I have to say. <laughs> what I'm here to do is to share. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Mind Power Meets Mystic. Mystic.